It's about application, you know, it's really almost like a discipleship program. As you grow and you deepen your walk with God and your walk of intimacy, and you can't do everything in one afternoon, one day, one week, or even one month. And even in, during those seven months that we do it, I feel that in most of the cases we equip people with the tool and we teach them how to do it and we mentor them through their traps. Because there are a few traps on the way, even with that one prayer I taught you, the Lord's Prayer. But there's so much information I can bombard on you right now. Um, for those of you who would want to learn it more, you can go on YouTube, I have an account there, and you can uh, just watch my tabernacle teaching. Um, and also, when I start touching about the difficulty of the Jews to see the face of the Messiah. There's also that message and others, and even what I'm going to teach you now is recorded there. Um, so it's a very, very modern. Okay. Yeah, you can, you, can, you can definitely listen to it. You're welcome to do that. But um, it's it, you know, the kind of thing I can teach in 10 minutes or 7 or 6 hours. And the in-between suffers. So, yeah, because then I go into details, but I can't go into all the details. And I have to pick and choose. Um, so we're still here. What we, we discussed until now is how we choose the right angle and we do it through that prayer. Once we recognize God is knocking on doors. So basically by now this is such a part of my life that when, when I go to bed or I, I, I just pause the day for natural pauses, standing in line or taking the shower, that's the best time to just check how am I doing, you know, what are, what are I don't want to be a big knife is turning my stomach inside out and I don't feel good about things. I, I'm aware of those knocks because I don't want God to raise up the volume. He's done that enough in my life. <laughs> so I, I'm trying to listen to the gentle knocks and when I do, I just invite him to be all over yeah. those things. Well, you know, then comes a storm and my carpets and it takes me a while to figure out he's knocking on the door there. So I can't say it's always the immediate reaction, but it didn't take me days, you know, within a couple of hours. I was inviting him yeah. to be Lord, and then, then I mean, things were sorted out so quickly. And why do we even have to wait that much? Okay, so, you know, repentance is about changing direction. You don't necessarily change the behavior, and when you repent, you don't even change the problem. You don't solve the problem. But you choose the direction that is right to go in, or through, or towards, if you want to see a real solution. And, and that's what you're doing. You, 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 you turn around, okay? Mm -hmm. Once we're there, Hi, uh, watch out! <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, that's from the pigs family. It's unkosher. You're safe. I'm not going to be slower today. Um, when we know what the priests did here, they, they, they burned sacrifices. And how do we do that today? Um, we don't burn sacrifices, but we acknowledge what, what was done. Um, 
they call it forgiveness. I call it forgiveness. And when I share with you how I do it, how I think it needs to be done based on God's word, you will understand why the cross means repentance and forgiveness here. I mean, how does it all mm. come together? Um, uh, I want to say just before that, what the Old Testament provides is atonement. It does not provide forgiveness. Okay? Old Testament, sacrifice, sacrificial system provides temporary covering per se. And poor you, if you turned around and you sinned two steps later, you have to come back and do it again because the new sin is not covered by the sacrifice, it is just slaughtered. The blood of animals could not do what the blood of Yeshua does. It, the difference between them is not that it was temporary and this is permanent. I used to think that atonement is less, is more powerful than forgiveness. It's not, I and mean, even in Hebrew it comes quite clear in, in, in Old Testament terminology. Atonement means covering, means that once the blood was shed and I acknowledge it, then God is covering my sin, and when He looks at me, He sees that innocent blood. But the sin, Nature is still in me. Okay? Yeshua's blood comes and offers something that did not exist before to the point that when you read the Old Testament, every time forgiveness is mentioned, but once, is always future tense. You will do this, 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 and I will forgive you, but not I have forgiven. And only Yeshua's blood separates our sins as east is far from the west and gives us an alternative for our sinful nature that was not available in Old Testament days. And so when he starts coming, walking the streets of Jerusalem or Galilee and speak about, you know, I forgive your sins, they freak out because this, how can you even say that? It's non-existent. And he says to the people, he starts using past tense, although he was not on the cross yet. He says, your sins have been forgiven. Yeah. Because he brings with him something that was not there before. Matthew 21, Matthew 18, sorry. Matthew 18, um, 21 up to the end tells the parable of the mm. servant that refused to forgive. Is there anyone here that doesn't know this story? Do, do I need to read it? Because I just can I sum it up shortly mm -hmm. to save time? Okay. Uh, so it's Matthew 20, 18, 21 to 35. What we have here is a master who forgave one of his servants a huge debt probably in such a, a size that there was no way to pay in a lifetime. And that servant goes out and refuses to forgive one of his fellow servants a much smaller uh, debt that is payable. And the problem is us, of course, because our master has forgiven us. 
amazing, amazing debts that we have towards him, but we're not always willing to forgive others their small debts to us or even who they are. We're just not willing to forgive others who they are. And um, when the master hears how the first servant treats the second one, let's see what happens. So I'm going to read just the end from verse 32. Then his master, the master of the first servant, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that it was due to him. It's about us, and if we're not sure about it, comes, ver comes verse 35 and clarifies it. So my heavenly Father also will give to you, if each of you from his heart, in Hebrew it is from all your heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Um, I, I want to talk a few things about the relationship of the master and the first servant. Look at verse 32. How does he call him when he summons him? Wicked. Wicked so. Does he send him away from the palace? Where? Yes, out of the palace. Okay, does he stop being his servant? No. No. He's still his servant, but he's a wicked one. Verse uh, 34 How does the master feel towards him? There's a feeling there. He's angry with him. And then what does it do to him? <coughs> to the two there, hands off. Torture. Torture. Uh, one more important fact, the first servant, when he refused to forgive the second one, throws, holds that second one by the throat and throws him to jail, to prison, okay? Um, who do you think those torturers are? Demons. How do you think God calls us when we refuse to forgive? Read verse 32. Because it's about us. In verse 35, Yeshua makes it very clear. We're wicked. How does he feel about us? Angry. Angry. And whom does he deliver us to? Tormentors, torturers. The Hebrew word, which is not exactly the Greek one, but the Hebrew word is very similar to those policemen in Egypt that would whip the, the, you know, the children of Israel when they would cease from work. So they're constantly having their eyes on us and they constantly enslave us, those torturers. Um, in our workshops, when we work with women, this is, we just camp here, we just park here. And I hardly let the people move on to the next thing before they master this tool. Because we are, when we forgive, when we refuse to forgive God in a way that is really almost against what we are used to, not, to, to, to think about our loving God, he hands us over to demons. Um, this word translated here into torturers is, appears in about, I think, 18 other places in the New Testament, and it always refers to demons here. 
I will go very, very quickly through the process of forgiveness the way I do it. It's, it's not a formula that you have to adopt word by word. I recommend it because it works. Uh, I brought with me, I forgot to tell you, I brought with me two products from Israel that I sell. You can see Noriana for that. One of them is a booklet I just wrote, and it is all about this about the prayers and others step by step. How do you do that? The prayer I taught you and the forgiveness process. And you can also see it uh, on YouTube. And there it is for free. And this is in the, the That booklet. That purple booklet is about that. I call it Who is Knocking on Your Door? And now you know why I use that term. Who is Knocking on Your Door? You know, we like to think our problems are something we need to get rid of. No, this is God talking, you know? I love to be able to hear that on small, gentle knocks. <laughs> but I also love to know that when he knocks even powerfully, there is always something I can do. And that short prayer is so easy to say. And I can say in the midst of a fight, in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of everything, just invite him to be Lord. And when he comes and sits as Lord, he does in our chaos what he did in Genesis in creation. He turns on life. He separates things, you know, he brings forth what needs to be there. A guest would not do that because he needs to have permission every time he wants to move. So we start there and then I move to forgiveness. Now that one step, inviting him to be Lord, is actually step one in the process of forgiveness. Repent, forgiveness always starts with repentance. Always. Why? I mean, I'm mean choosing the direction. Because he's angry with me. As long as I hold a grudge against someone, whether it's two hours old or 20 years old, God is angry with me and there is something in me he calls wicked. So I have to repent. I have to say, sure, come and be Lord over that place. That's what I taught you. And to this I add one more phrase. Forgive me for not doing it until now. Okay, this is full repentance. Come and be Lord over ABCD and forgive me for not doing it until now. This is step one. Mm. So step, there's five steps in forgiveness. Step one is repentance. Again, that's the way I do it. You may have you know, other formulas to do that other way. Great. I think you need to make sure that the five stages I, I put here. I have great friends that this is all their ministry, teaching forgiveness. It's called forgiving forward. Powerful what they do. The reconciliation day. Uh, breathe into, into um, conflict-stricken areas in Africa and among tribes. It's amazing. And they do it all over the states too, and they have seven stages. So it's fine, you know, it's just... Um, since I work mostly with broken women, it has to be very concise, clear, and applicable. So that's why the fact. Okay, one is repentance. The second one, it's a decision. I choose to forgive. I decide to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving, and most of us don't really feel like forgiving when we're hurting. That's step number two. Number three, 
I just follow Yeshua's words here with all my heart. From my heart. I choose to forgive with all of my heart. I choose to forgive from that place in me that hurts. So usually when I forgive someone, I think about the circumstances, the facts. I think about the, I, I, I sort out my feelings, my thoughts and the reactions. And I choose to forgive that person or whoever had did, did that to me for the facts, for the feelings he brings up within me, for the thoughts he makes me think, for the reactions that he causes me to react. It's childish. What do you mean he causes me? It doesn't matter. I forgive like a little child. I don't try to reason react. You may have a lot of questions about forgiveness. Write them down because it's important for me that it will be clear. But I just want to go through the process first. Number four, I forgive for specifics. You can't forgive if I hurt you and you choose to forgive Orma, it's like you did nothing. Which is why many people say, but I forgave him and it still hurts. Let me use a great example, it always works. If I walk in the kitchen, take a knife and cut myself, unintentionally, how long did it take that to happen? How long will it take it to heal? Depending on the depth of it, you know, sometimes we need it with stitches. How long does it take for someone to hurt us? How long does it take it to heal? And if you want to know how, you, how our soul works, our soul is where our thoughts dwell, our will, our aspirations, our, our wishes, our, our emotions. Um, the soul is the one that sings. We can sing with our body, but the Old Testament, it, it's very strange to me why the translations many times chose the word life or person when the Old Testament clearly speaks about the soul. And I made a whole list, it also is in that booklet. I made a whole list of emotions, thoughts, and actions that the soul commits. In Hebrew, it's very clear. The soul is the one that sings. The soul is tortured. The soul is angry. The soul rests. The soul fasts. We can fast from food physically, but it is the soul that is affected by that. All these things happen in our soul. So when somebody hurts me, my soul hurts. I mean, unless he punched me, then my body hurts too. But that's the list of offenses. It's usually our soul that it takes it forever to heal. And so if you want to learn how your soul functions, look at your body. Try to find the power line in the body. It is multi-layered and sometimes it needs stitches. Just like a cut of your finger. So when I forgive someone, I cannot just you know, go to the stitches and leave everything bleeding. I have to take care of every tissue. The first one may need a little cleaning, and then you have to go deeper, and then you put some antibiotics, whatever it takes. When we forgive, I have to forgive the facts, the thoughts it brought up, the feelings, and the way I tend to react. Because each one of them is a knock on the door. Now, why do I do that, really? Every time someone hurts us, we do what the first slave did to the servant did to the second. We hold that person by the throat, sometimes literally. Sometimes we're 
so hurting that people are choked around us. We hold them by their throat and we throw them into a prison. Now, in, in many cases, rightly so, these people have hurt us and they should be punished for that. And we love playing both the judge and the jailer. Uh, there's one problem with this. Where is this prison? Where is it, that prison, that we throw our, the people who owe us? Where do you think that prison is? Inside us. No, inside us. Two weeks ago, I was in a prison in, um, in Chattanooga. I love going to prisons and teaching it and seeing the reactions. They're so desperate. They're so ready to, yeah. to change. And I can't do it in Israel. You know, I don't have access to prisons as a Messianic Jew or orphanages. You asked me about orphanages. I can't go into those places. Um, as a Messianic Jew? To prisons? No. Why would I teach them about this? Sure, oh, yes. the enemy? <laughs> yeah. They know they wouldn't let me in. Uh, so I, I do it here whenever I can. And there's one person in Chattanooga that I'm registered, and I have to go through the system to do that. And uh, we actually wrote those booklets for the inmates because they can go online. So, um, Prison say okay. So I asked those those women, you know, they have so much to say about the jailers, they're so upset with them. And, and and I told them, think about those jailers trying to raise up their kids here, you know, with you, while they take care of they, they supervise you. Do you think they can prepare dinner and they can take care of their kids and just have a life while they are on work? No. Well then this is how our lives look like. We can't both be jailers and live our lives. <laughs> Pain hurts. Any time someone has hurt us, any bad memory we have, and we accumulate. I mean, we, life hurts. Life hurts on this earth. You know, it's, it's a sinful world. And yeah, we are perfect, but everyone else around us is not. And so they just warn us all the time because our heart is not perfect. And it gets those hurts inside, into the soul. And every time someone hurts us, we throw them into jail. And another one, and another one, and another one. And it is so complicated because each memory has so many layers to it. So you may have just said something not nice to me, but okay, you know, my sister, how dare she did not respond to my email when I realized my precious carpets are being in water. And it's just one thing, but it brought up so many layers of loneliness and, and rejection and abandonment in me. And when I forget her, she doesn't even know. I mean, it's recorded, right? It's not why on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even know. It has nothing to do with her. It was God trying to knock on those doors in the ancient doors there that he is not Lord over. He is a welcomed guest. Once I realize he's knocking on the door, of course I will invite him in. And we have supper. But once this supper is over, he's out of the door again in many places in my heart. By the way, thank you for putting only four chocolate pieces <laughs> next to my bed. <laughs> yeah. So it's very quickly that we send him out again. 
sees those prisons and he knocks on those doors. So those things you wrote at the beginning, you know, whether it's a senior struggling with or stress in a relationship, these are your prison cells in you. Those thoughts attached to it and emotions, those are prison cells in you. God sees them and he is not going to overlook them. Because I'm going again yeah. to what Yeshua did. You know, it used to bug me. Why? Okay, before that. The Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins. As we forgive As. As we forgive our debtors. And I thought, why doesn't he love me as I love others? I mean, thank you for not loving me as I love others. Thank you for not extending grace to me as I do to others. Because I'm not a very gracious person. Thank Elena. She's so loving. She just loves me. And it's, it's very refreshing to me because I'm not used to that at all. You know, so thank you, God, for not conditioning these things on my behavior. But with love, with judgment and forgiveness, I, he, he gives us only to the extent we give others. Why? And I understood that when I understood the importance of that being the cross. Because this is the gospel. Yeshua came to do something that did not exist before. The forgiveness, this is the gospel. God sent his son so that we can be forgiven. We were not forgiven before, we were just covered. You know, love covers multitudes of sins, but they're still there. And in Yeshua, we are able to totally be transformed. It can, it can, it can, we can really change. Not just walk with a, a covered conscience, but have a pure conscience. And this is such a price that was paid for it, that God cannot stand any inch of unforgiveness in ourselves. Because if I come and preach the gospel to someone and say to him, this is what Yeshua did for you, but I hold unforgiveness in me that I'm aware of, I'm annulling my words. They're void. And I'm actually doing something very bad to, to, to the price he paid here. So when God sees unforgiveness in us, he is not messing up with us. He sends us to the hands of those torturers. It is that serious. And I have seen barren women become pregnant after forgiveness of Christ. I have wow. seen people being healed after they forgive. Because you see, there's a demon there in action. Forgiveness is not just an emotional healing. It's a deliverance process. Emotions take a while to recover, just like a cut in your flesh. But demons, if they lose ground, and they only have ground in our lives, if we play with idols, if we purposefully sin, or we do not forgive. And once we forgive, God immediately takes us back from the hands of those torturers. So when I choose the angle, the right angle, I'm taking the key and inserting it into a door.
the prison says. Every time I say, come and be Lord over this and this and this, I'm actually listening to the knocks on the door and I insert the key called Yeshua or his blood into that door. And when I forgive, okay, so now the door is open, but the cell is still full. When I forgive, I empty the cell. That's stage four. This is the entire thing. You repent, you do it with all your heart, you do it in details, and you choose to do that. Number five is a test. In five, I bless the person I just forgave with the This is just a way to test am I really, did I really open all the cells? So I choose, to for, I choose to bless the person that I just forgave with the very opposite of what I forgave. And many times I start that and I say, okay, so I bless that person that promised and did not keep up his promise, that he will never be disappointed, that whoever promises him anything will stand up to his promise. Nah, I want him to learn. <laughs> I realize. See, it's a test. I realize there's a door there that I, I, I can leave it locked, but then I know that I'm going to lock on it. So I'm already there in that corridor. Okay, I choose. Okay, I choose guys to forgive him. I, I just, I, I go through that process and I allow the spirit to lead me and my emotions too. But Number five is my way to check did I really accomplish the process so I don't have to see that person in two weeks from now and realize so much energy and I didn't finish the process. There's still a say there. Okay? So that's number five. Um, so let me... Yes. So, so the test is, if I'm understanding right, your ability to bless them with exactly what they wounded you with, yes. that they wouldn't be wounded exactly. in the same way. Exactly. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, blessing him with, oh God, may he never do that again, that's not a blessing. That's blessing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm running to the next two points, and then we can take a little time to try and apply it, okay? Because it takes time, especially at the beginning. A couple of a few years ago, when God opened the importance of repentance and, and uh, forgiveness to our team, we took a sabbatical and we did not minister outside of ourselves. We just every time we met, every week we we forgave, we applied it, we walked through it, we did sprinkling into all our relationships. We just, you know, as me as a minister, especially working with broken hearts, I have to forgive them constantly. I mean, I want them to be there, and I'm willing to kick them through the process, but they just don't forget it. And you get very annoyed at the time. So thank God He's given me a lot of peace and rest for my enemies in my life. You know, I have, I like my life. I'm happy about it. People are happy about me. At least they don't say anything. <laughs> but as minister, that's where a lot of my tension comes in, and I. Then it never occurred to me. I mean, these are so broken people. <laughs> then I didn't even occur to me I used to forgive them. I used to cover their, you know, rebellion and still with my love or calling or whatever it was. But I don't want to cover anymore. Covering takes energy. You kind of have to stretch the blanket longer and bigger. And, and, and then your hands get numb and your 
records. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer to forgive, I prefer to remove it from myself. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. want to manage a prison. And I, that's not one thing I want to do when I retire, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a jailer. There are other things I wish for myself, but it's either or. It sucks your energy. Negative emotions, negative circumstances, negative thoughts take over. And you can have a very good day at the beginning. One, one bad thing happens at the end, forget the good. Positive emotions and thoughts are not as powerful on us, on our flesh, as the negative ones. So we have, because this is God's way to knock on our doors. And I think um, this is the lost art in the church. Yeah. Because we are learned, we, we are taught to cover it and hide it. But I think if we start looking at our weaknesses as God's voice, God's knocks, God's love, it is those he loves that he rebukes and chastises. Then, then everything looks different. And we have opportunities for a glorious testimony. This is the name of our ministry. Automophilia is a sign and example. Brokenness, and I love collecting broken materials, is a sign and example to who he is. Mm. So, wherever you're broken, God is running the story through you. So don't hide chapters and words. Use them. And let's take a couple of minutes now to apply that. Just try, you know, take one emotion, one thought, what, something. Go as far as you can and choose to forgive from the bottom of your heart for what is on your list. We can put music, we don't have to. I think let's go ahead and... Just do it? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah I think it'd be good. Uh -huh. Okay. So you're thinking about five, ten minutes? Um, do it less than that. That's, uh, please don't go into long prayers. Be very. I choose to forgive this for that, that for that. Be very almost mathematical. Don't go into long praise and worship. And we get there, okay? But right now, focus on the knocks on your doors and open doors and empty cells. So maybe one song.
I'll be on time. No, doing fine. Keep going. Forgiving others is very important. Forgiving ourselves is as important. We should love ourselves as we love our neighbors. And I, th I found out that it is the hardest for us to forgive ourselves. Uh, for various reasons, some of us think that if we forgive ourselves, we, may, we, might, we might find ourselves repeating the same sin. And as long as we're upset with ourselves, we're kind of um, keeping ourselves away from that sin, which is a huge lie. Because remember, unforgiveness sucks our energy. We're too busy with the inmates, with the prisoners, and we cannot focus on making the right decisions and maintaining our lives in the right, righteous way. So, same thing. You forgive yourself, same process. And every time I finish forgiving the person that offended me, I check how I feel about myself and do the same process. There. Again, devil or the YouTube uh, speak about that. <clears throat> Another major, major um, part of the forgiveness process is our feelings towards God. Yeah. Yes, He's holy. Yes, He did not sin against us, but that doesn't mean we don't hold Him in prison. And we do. Boy, we do. We have a lot of feelings towards him. I, I used to think that, no, I'm, I'm not upset with God. If I'm upset with anyone, it's me. And I learned that this is a lie that only kept me, kept me captive. And this is one major thing God will not stand, and major dog he will keep knocking on. So, um, just check yourselves. After you forgive others and you bless them, after you check how you feel about yourself, check how you feel about God. I believe that forgiveness is very self-centered. It's not altruistic as it comes across. It's all about me, 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 and my prisoners. And which is why I don't have a problem to, for, to, to use it. You know, forgiveness for me is a way to empty cells in me. And many times what I have there is things I thought I thought were done against me, but they were not. And it doesn't matter because the minute I'm hurting, I open a cell. I hold someone in the throat and I send him to prison, whether he intended to do that or not. And there is no other way to empty those cells apart from forgiveness. Self-determination. Self-discipline will not do that. Self-control will not do that. It will only prevent me from expressing what is there. You know? Even, um, even someone asking me for forgiveness, acknowledging what they did, does not empty the sin. It just makes it easier to empty the sin. Even explaining myself that I really should not be upset with this person does not empty <laughs> the sense. There is no way to do it besides forgiveness. Yeah. And you will see in a minute how precious that is and how deep that goes. Um, um, so when it comes to God, personally I don't struggle with the idea that I have to forgive me and let go out of my system what I hold against God. But if you do struggle with this terminology, when you realize how you feel towards God, 
asking to forgive you for feeling this way. It's the same asking. It's standing here and opening stairs, okay? But one way or another, realize that you have a lot of feelings against God, God and a lot of um, thoughts against Him that contradict His personality. Yeah. <coughs>